Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Touchdown Bombers! Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today we got a super stellar rock star guest, a man who is no stranger to the Great White North, the host of Boomsies, it is Dan O'Toole. Dan, thanks for being on today's show. I'm really excited to chat with you, and I know that you're uh, a lot of fun to to, to talk with, so I'm uh, ready Matthias, to get this I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Great White North because uh, I have to apologize. I've got two kid. I, I just came in from shoveling, and I've got two kid. <laughs> I don't know if your hair is the same, but if I wear it too, too long, my hair starts to hurt. Really? Do you get that? I mean, I would say that my hair only looks this nice because I just came out of the shower. Usually I have the toque hair, helmet hair, whatever you want to call it, because sleeping on one side, like it looks like I have a mohawk every time I wake up because yeah. it's just it's just an absolute mess. Like I call mine Lego hair. It's it's essentially like this at all times. So yeah. Anyway, I'm glad we got all our hair talk out of the way. <laughs> I'm going to ask right off the bat, this is something that is maybe a weird burning question in my mind. Okay. Shoot. What cart adult cartoon do you, do you gravitate, gravitate towards, towards more South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons, hundred percent. Um, it's now gotten to a point where if we got free time before bed, my middle daughter, Ruby will request that we watch the Simpsons. And I'm like, Yes, yes. I went to a Simpsons table read when I worked at Foxton, LA, and it was an otherworldly experience. Seeing the characters do the characters' voice or the actors do the characters' voices in person was uh, phenomenal. So uh, I got to experience that. That's pretty incredible. I've only seen a few clips on YouTube of Matt and Trey from South Park recording in the studio or even like... Tom Kenny and a few of the other actors, voice actors and actresses from SpongeBob doing voice reads, but it's it's pretty cool to see that because it just brings to life that comedic effect even more than when you're watching it on TV. And then when they were reading, all that kept going through my mind was, "Wow, they make a million dollars an episode." And they they come in 1 minute before the table read and they're gone 20 seconds once it's over. Day is done. So they're they're getting their million dollars and uh, they're taking full advantage of the rest of their time. Well, maybe once you find a way to get boomsies up to a point where people will pay money to see you voice read, then that'll be the day that you can look Matt Groening in the eyes and be like, hey, like, you know, we Canadians can do stuff too, eh? Yeah, exactly. Well, I have he signed my table read copy. Oh, wow. And he even did a little Simpsons drawing. He did a little drawing of Homer Simpson on my on my uh, table read copy. That's pretty awesome. But here, here's how dumb I am. I had it sitting in a place in my home that was getting hit by daylight. So now, now half of it is sunburnt. So oh, I did geez. not take good. I did not take good care of that. I just figured out ask that question because I think that that's a great uh, question. I've never been asked that, but yes, one thousand percent Simpsons. Although um, Team America: World Police is one of my favorite movies. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) America. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, there is just, I I remember when I finally watched it and I always saw it on the, on the shelf in Blockbuster as a kid. And I'm like, how can a movie with puppets be rated R? And then when I watched it, I was like, okay, now I can see exactly why this would be rated R. Wait, you're old enough to have gone to Blockbuster? Oh, I'm I'm turning 26 in two months, so I was old okay. enough to have gone to Blockbuster. Don't you? Worry. I'm glad that you experienced that because my kids don't have the experience of what you had to wait until there was a copy of the movie here. Yeah, you did. You had to wait, and you and then you get mad at people. You're like, how long does it take to watch this movie? Why haven't you returned it yet? Or even like the a new movie came out, it's you can only rent it for two days. It's like, well, then I have to watch it right away. Like, what if I want to watch it again? I think the movie I took out the most from Blockbuster was Napoleon Dynamite. I've seen that movie probably like 50 times from beginning to end. Oh, it's great. Um, on the Fox lot, they had a Napoleon Dynamite statue of him playing volleyball. Uh, that was very cool. Uh, also, Blockbuster, they had to really gamble because they had to buy like 30 copies of certain movies. And then if it's a flop, they're like, oh, man, we gambled on the wrong movie. Yeah, it's it's tough. I remember seeing uh, the Catwoman movie that came out with. Uh, I can't remember who the, the main actress is. Wasn't it Haley Berry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halle, yeah that's right. Yeah, she was. The, yeah. So I remember seeing the cover of that and like a whole wall. And I just thought, oh, well, as a kid, you don't really think of you don't sit too hard. You're not Roger Ebert. Like, oh, hmm, is this movie like critically acclaimed? You're just like, oh. Character I recognized, mom, I want to rent it. But I didn't realize that it was like a flop when you compare it to the other movies that eventually came out in the DC universe. Obviously, another big one that was a flop as a kid that I thought was cool just because of the costumes like Batman and Robin. Like, isn't it just so crazy to look back at some of these movies? Like, wow, when you watch a trailer, when you think about what the expectations were versus what happened, it's just it's insane. I don't think that happens as much anymore with superhero movies, at least. I'm glad we're talking about this because on the last episode of Boomsies, I talked about the Super Mario Brothers and how they should make a movie. People reached out. They're like, well, they are making a new one with Chris Pratt and Jack Black. But they made one back in 1993 that was atrocious. One of the actors in that movie, Don Lake, is Canadian, reached out to me on Instagram. He said, I was in that movie. Yeah, it was bad. But I'm like, you want to come on the podcast to talk about it? He said, sure. He's coming on this week. Let's go. Let's oh, go. Like, and you, the, uh, if you haven't seen him in that movie, if you're watching the Steve Carell show on Netflix right now, Space Force, he is Steve Carell's uh, executive assistant in that show. Man, so there you go. That's that is such a tra- a travesty in the sense that these pop culture phenomenons, specifically within the realm of video games were so ready to get ginormous audiences to watch the the film adaptations of video games, but then most of them were terrible and it just sucks. And then when people try to remake it in the present day, they just say, oh, well, the original one was bad. Street Fighter, Super Mario Brothers, Mortal Kombat. Like the first Mortal Kombat movie was okay, but then the second one, like everyone has seen the the famous clip on YouTube, mother, too bad you will die. Well, the Super Mario Brothers, the the 1993 version, the problem they had, people tuned in to see like Bowser and all the characters. They weren't in it. They they tried to just have Super Mario and Luigi uh, as plumbers, and they're trying to, to to catch these crooks, and it just it just didn't work out. They 
if a kid went to that movie, he went home very disappointed. What would you say is the best video game to movie adaptation then from Ooh. that you've seen? Hmm. Well, that the new one, it's not even a real video game that they uh, that they parodied. It's the one with Ryan Reynolds um, where he's living in a video game. We actually went to the theater to see. Sorry, my cat is headbutting the microphone here. That's, That's okay. It's all good. Um, what was that one? Uh, something Dave or Average Dave or Normal Joe or. But he lives inside a video game, and I thought that was brilliantly done. Um, now it's going to bother me. I got to Google search this. That's yeah, okay. It's okay to fact check. Okay, We're live fact checking Ryan Reynolds video. Free guy. I was not even oh, close to the go. name of that free guy. Uh, so uh, did you see it? I have not. I, honestly, I can't remember the last time I was in a movie theater or even saw like a movie. That so this was the only one we saw. So the, the concept is every day is the same because he's a background character in this video game. So he's saying the same thing to each person on the street, because that's what happens in video games when you overhear a conversation. Uh, and then he realizes that uh, he can change things. So he gets these glasses and uh, and then he sees what is actually going on in this world. So uh, as far as actual video games turn to movies, I don't think I've seen a single one that was good. I don't think that there's any that come to my mind either. There's people like the ones that are successful are just comic books to movies because that's been done forever and ever. Even when you think about my brother and I have talked about this ad nauseum Batman, for an example, people will always point to the Dark Knight trilogy and say that that is the holy mecca of Batman films. And they they like to slander the 60s Batman or the Batman 89 or the ones with Michael Keaton and all the quirkiness. Michael Keaton was a great Batman. Yeah, Michael Keaton was amazing. Like people need to appreciate where things came from. If it wasn't for the 60s Batman, then it will not be popular within the masses today. And if it wasn't for Michael Keaton doing 1989 Batman, then there wouldn't be a very famous blockbuster Batman film attached to the superhero, right? Like people, my brother researched the history. And when you look back, I mean, you would probably remember to to think of Michael Keaton as Batman. Like he was in Mr. Mom, like he was in Beetlejuice, like a, like a funny guy being Batman. That's ridiculous. But People writing letters that didn't do didn't do anything because when a movie came out, then everyone just ate their words. Michael Keaton, one of the greatest actors of our generation. Um, and he's in the movie with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, the odd guys, other guys, other guys. Unreal. His performance in that. Someone actually just posted on social media and they said, this is just an appreciation post of Michael Keaton in that movie where he's dropping lines from TLC the entire movie. And he's like, and they, they're like, uh, you're quoting a TLC song. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, but don't go chasing waterfalls. Hey, so, guy, hey man, yeah. ain't too proud to be. Oh, come on, it's, not even, it's not even funny anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. That, that movie is gold. I don't think it did very well in the theaters, but uh, now, it's, uh, now it's living very well outside of theaters. Oh, it is. It is like a modern day cult classic. Like every Michael Keaton, you, I'm glad you brought that up because he's probably the most underappreciated character in that entire movie, especially when they're at the funeral and then he walks. And he's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> two good men are dead. You guys are all fighting about who's in the next big shot. Huh? And then Will Ferrell's like, yes, yeah. that's exactly what we're fighting about. 
It's so good. He's so good. Hey, guys, don't go chasing waterfalls. That's still a C reference, right? I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I got it. I got working two jobs. And the fact that he like Bath and Beyond. Yeah, he works at Bed Bath and Beyond. Like that is probably the thing that makes it so perfect. Like he works just at a regular box, big box store. (laughs) And he's also the captain of like police. Yeah. So good. Oh man. I don't think I've ever had this much laughter on a podcast without having an actual comedian on, but considering that there we go. You never know where you're gonna go when you get into the boomsies lair. What I I'm not gonna lie, when I first saw the name for your new podcast, I'm like. I like without researching the background, this must be a, a play on the and boom goes the dynamite, but just with a Dan O'Toole twist. But then when I did a little more research, I see that you had had when you were down with Fox in the US that your producer would always say, say that when you guys are doing highlights. And then that just right. kind of it kind of it's kind of like an exclamation point. So there'd be a big dunk or a big play and he'd say in our ear, eh, that's a boomsies. So we just I'm like, this is amazing. So we always used it. And then before I started the podcast, I reached out to him and I said, I'm going to name my podcast that he's like, go nuts. And then uh, my current producer is like, I don't think he knew the extent to which we were going to use it. Um uh, so hopefully he doesn't seek litigation against us. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I'm sure that you're figuring all the steps of, of a full-blown legal team and, <laughs> yeah, and accounting right. departments. And right, I mean, right now you're chef, cook, and bottle washer. But eventually, as it expands, then you'll learn the ins and outs of, of the business. That's right. I do have the text from him saying, go with it. So I think that that covers us. He signed off by text. Well, that's, that's, um, that's as good as gold in, in the... In the legal the world. The legal so, world. That's right. I don't think we, we've been told in, in class, like, here's how not to get sued. Make sure you CYA, cover your ass. Yeah. That's uh so what are you taking in school? I'm taking sports journalism. Okay. So yeah, I took radio broadcasting, and that's the one class I skipped all the time was the the legal one. And I'm like, yeah, it seems really boring, but I probably should have went to some more of those. Which which broadcast school did you go to? Algonquin College in Ottawa, the gonk. Hey, there you go. I mean, as a man from from the bro, or I don't know how you nickname Peter Bro or how people in Ontario nickname it, but I mean, yeah, Algonquin. That's what well, uh, that's not the bro, it's the burrow. Oh, the burrow, like Joe yeah. Burrow. <laughs> Almost or, uh, the fancy spelling. Or P dot. Um, so here's the story about me going to broadcast school. I applied to three other ones. And I was not accepted. I thought if you applied to a college, they said, yes, give us your money. But that wasn't the case back in the day. Really? So one week before school started in Ottawa, uh, I got a letter said someone uh, dropped out so you can get in. So I had to decide in one week to go to school, which I did. So I made the right choice. Could you imagine if someone didn't drop out? Like what, where would your life be right now? Uh, I was selling, uh, I was selling water at that time. Wazoo water. It was the first water in Canada that had a sport cap. So you could like squirt it like a, like a water bottle. And then we sold all these other ones. We were the first ones to bring Jones soda to Canada. So I was going store to store selling that figuring out that world and i'm like oh so pepsi and coke paid for all this shelf space can i get in one of their coolers no you're out by you're back by the milk okay (laughs) so that would have been my life uh just uh selling soda and water what a crazy turn of events from 
selling water, getting into school in the last minute to what's been an illustrious career so far. But I wanted to ask you about something specific. Okay. As it pertains to the new outlook, because the way of the tradition was you go to school, you go to X news station, news station in small town, you work your way up. And then eventually a few great punchlines here, lots of hard work there and boom, like then you just keep climbing up the ladder. But I was listening to a podcast that you had done with another Canadian journalist and you were talking about this cycle of how when you've built yourself into the industry and you go somewhere and you have notoriety, it's only a matter of time before the accountants start sweating the executives and say, well, you're, you're paying this person too much. The same way in professional sports, any executive or coach is going to fire someone who's old or getting older. And the second they can get someone the, the classic cheaper and younger. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you wouldn't really change the way that you did things when you first entered, but if you were to give advice to people entering the industry now, would you advise against going to school and doing the traditional path? Or would you say that there's still some merit in doing the, the traditional schooling to gain that solid foundation of all around knowledge? I still think there's a lot to, to be said about going to school because you can learn how the industry works. But now, due to the simple fact that I live in a house where my kids, if I gave them $200 each, they could not find something on cable TV. So they will never be buying cable TV. So the industry has to adapt. So what I tell people now is, if you don't go to broadcast school, find out a platform in which you can find an audience. And it's essentially a demo reel now the work you put out on social media. So in the past, you had to, you had to do your standup. You had to do your story in front of uh, the police station or whatever you're doing a story on, send that off to a potential employer. Now they can just go onto your social media and say, okay, this guy, I can see how this guy or girl, I can see how they've developed. Uh, they've got their own voice. Uh, they know how to be creative. They can create their own content. And then you might get, hired by someone um, in a, an avenue that ha- wasn't even created 10 years ago, not even five years ago. So it has definitely changed because the broadcast, actual traditional broadcast jobs get slashed every day. There used to be 30-person newsrooms in small towns across Canada. Now they've got one person working in that room, and they send their stuff to a, a broadcast that's, uh, say, in Edmonton. When I worked in Fort McMurray, Alberta, I was this, it was called a stringer reporter for CTV. So I would do three minutes of content and send it down to them in Edmonton and they'd play it as part of their news package in Edmonton. So that's what's happening with a lot of these smaller towns. So there's a lot to be said, like I said, for traditional broadcasting, learning how that's, that works. And I always tell people, if you are taking that route, go to those small towns because you're going to learn how to edit. You're going to learn how to shoot. You're going to learn how to be on camera you're going to learn every single thing about the industry. And that makes you more valuable for a potential employer. And the fact that you go to a town where you don't know anyone, it's a great experience. That's what I did. I actually went to Fort McMurray and this is pre-internet. And I moved to a city in which I bought a map. It wasn't even on the map. It had an arrow that said to Fort McMurray. I moved to a town that wasn't on the map. So, and 
if I hadn't gone there, I wouldn't have gone into TV because I was originally just in radio, went to a guy at the, uh, the local cable station. I said, hey, I want to do some TV stuff. He said, OK, here's a camera. Go shoot it. I'll edit. I'll help you. And that's how I got my first ever demo reel that I sent off to CTV in Edmonton. And then um, I got my experience that way. Oh, wow. So just another crazy turn of events. And it always seems in the industry that everyone's path is like a snowflake. No two are the same. And especially when you consider how oftentimes the thing you, you go into the industry thinking you want to do is not the thing that you do mainly. Not to say that you can't do multiple things, but again, who's to say where you would have been if you would have just stayed with radio or said, no, I don't want to be on a camera. Screw that. Well, my goal was after I started that, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll uh, get to do the the evening uh, sports or news in Red Deer. Because I'm like, okay, that'd be a good job, I think. And then it, it morphed into something different. Uh, getting back to snowflakes, whenever that uh, term is said to me, I'm like, but no one's looked at every single snowflake. And I think if you did, you would find twin snowflakes. You would have to. How many snowflakes are there? It's like grains of sand, but they just have unique Millions. patterns. Yeah. How, how are you? You need to someone get on that project. How do you catch the snowflakes? Keep them frozen. So that's a tough one. You could, you could really get into a mind loop trying to figure that out. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's like trying to shovel water out of the ocean. Like that's the earth. That's right. That's Might as well right. be the same thing as, you know, what you do the last hour of work when you're trying to kill some time, you know, you and your friend go and shovel water. That's basically the equivalent <laughs> to the task that you're forced to do. Are there still jobs where you, uh, well, yes, of course there's, there's uh, jobs where you clock in and out, but office jobs, you got to think those are, they're going away. Like, does anyone actually work nine to five anymore? It's weird. I was just thinking about that this morning because I've seen a TikTok talking about, Hey, do you, you know, it was like, or, or do you not like, going to work well here's commuting it's an hour of your time there and back and it was just this ad poking fun of how inefficient you've got to yeah Yeah. you've got to go buy uh buy food instead of cooking at home and they're forcing a lot of people to go back to work now that we're getting near the end of the pandemic we've said that a few times but i think they're just doing it to justify the office space that they have rented out or bought because if I have an employer, hey, you're getting your job done. I don't care if you do it in freaking Taiwan. Go nuts. As long as you get it done, by the end of the day, you hit all your deadlines and you're happy. Yes, do it. Then wouldn't you also be able to save on not having to pay for a lease or to own a building or you could sell it and then make money or like, does it not? And make here's what I sense? thought. It makes more sense. And I thought one of the, the major employers in Canada would say, look at us, we're a green leader, uh, green leader. We've taken all these emissions off the road because our employees work from home now. You could easily market that as like, hey, you're a good guy. When people would figure out, they're like, oh, wait a second. Their people are just working from home. So they're saving money on office space. But sure, if you want to sell it that way. But they could do that. Because think about that, all that. Yes, I, I think I saw that same post. All those wasted hours, like, driving an hour to work, stuck in traffic, all these other cars sitting there idling while you're, you're going bumper to bumper. It's just, it's just a waste. And especially when you come from a small town, like Peterborough is, I mean, rural Ontario, I guess, for yep. lack of a better term. And so 
when people who want to move to Toronto and get the big job, oftentimes they'll move to smaller towns and then commute. And it's like, you're spending an hour driving and you think that that's not a big deal. Like I'm from Winnipeg. So if you drove an hour, you basically did a whole ring around the entire city for you to drive an hour to work. That's insane. But people here, they just get used to it. So it's like, well, don't be used to it. Like don't use that. I mean, that's, that's just a prairie person or coming from a small town in the words of people from Toronto. I, I'd rather work from home if possible. Or if you do get to work somewhere, just live close by that. You can just walk. You don't have to be relying on being stuck in traffic mm-hmm. on the Don Valley Parkway or the 401. Cause then it's just an absolute disaster. Are you in Winnipeg now? I'm currently in Toronto. So the school that I'm okay. Attending- I was going to, I was going to say I'm really big in Winnipeg today because I was on Dave Wheeler's uh, morning show in Winnipeg this morning at nine 40. Oh, energy one Oh six. That's right. Wheel- yeah. so Wheeler and I, uh, he and I worked together in Fort McMurray, Alberta. And I told the story. Uh, so we met in 1998, 98 or 97. And I thought he was going to murder me. So uh, for people that don't know, he hosts a morning show in Winnipeg. Um, so he picked me up and he said, hey, you want to go see the uh, the oil sands? I'm like, yes, of course. So as we're driving along and it's like a 45 minute drive out of Fort McMurray to the oil sands, he tells me, you know, that job you got because I got the sports reporter job. He's like. I wanted that job. So I'm like, oh, gosh. And I look around and I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere. Then we get to the oil sands. I'm like, you could hide a body out here. He's like, no, no, I'm glad you got it. Like, uh, no hard feelings or anything. But uh, there was a moment where I'm like, why did I get into this car with a person I've never met? And he wanted my job that I got. So I got to tell that story again. Every time I see him, I tell that story. And he's like, yeah, I could see how you, you felt that. I could see that. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Like, were, were you guys like filming the, the home, the home movie version of seven? Like that's insane. Yeah, I know. So yeah. Uh, go jets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would say that I, I am a Winnipeg blue bombers fan at heart through and through. I do want the jets to do well, but considering my parents are immigrants. And when they came here, like they came from Portugal and Brazil and they don't like hockey because it doesn't snow in either place, really. Um, thankfully, not. I'm not tied super closely to the Jets because they haven't had as much success, obviously, as the Bombers have had in the CFL. But again, I still do want the our Winnipeg hockey team to do well. I think the team I resonate more with is probably the Moose because that's who I grew up watching as a kid. Born okay. in 96, the Jets were gone right away. So They were, yeah. Yeah, the Manitoba Moose are, are really where it's at. Uh, the real ones will, will remember. <laughs> I love watching the old Jets games when they had the white out when it actually made sense when they wore their white jerseys at home. Oh, those were great games. And back in the day, whenever they played the Oilers, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, every game was like 8-7. It was insanity every time they played because the Jets would go through like eight goalies a season <laughs> trying to find the one who could stop a puck. But very entertaining. Um, I love that old building. I, I've never been to a game in Winnipeg, old building or new building. Ever? No. Well, maybe it's, I've been to Winnipeg quite a bit. Maybe it's maybe it's about time you get down to Canada Life Center, I guess it's officially called now, and check out yes. a game. Or Have you been to Bombers games then? No, I haven't been to a Bombers game even. Every time I've been there, I was either for work. Yeah, it's all work or to visit friends. Like I... Went actually uh, for a, a golf tournament with Wheeler once. Obviously, there's no hockey in the summer. 
And it's always flying in on a Friday, flying out on Sunday, trying to see and do everything that you can and then getting back home. So I need to spend more time. Yeah, absolutely. Winnipeg is a great place to be. And especially if you're from Peterborough, you can appreciate the the same mindset of being in a smaller town, humility, people like being really friendly. And I mean, not to say that there's people who are pretentious in big cities, but maybe you'll find more of them than you will in smaller towns. Like, And an abundance of dragonflies in Winnipeg. Well, there needs to be an abundance of dragonflies. Otherwise, you will think you experienced one of the 10 plagues from the Old Testament. If you go outside near the river in the summer, it's just an absolute will. Like, it's just it's insane. I want to make sure I'm getting the story right, because I remember playing on the golf course and there was a ton of dragonflies and they said they release a ton every summer to eat the bugs. Do they release them or they just now live there? Which course did you play at? I don't know, but there was a lot of dragonflies and dragonflies are awesome because all they do is help and they look great. Yeah, I was going to say it would probably have to be one that's along a river in order for them to do that. I'm not sure how you would like. I thought it was like anything. Maybe they release like a million dragonflies a year or something. I know that they spray now. I worked at uh, a golf course in Winnipeg where they sprayed in the middle of the night because it was like the fanciest club so obviously you got to make sure you keep members happy but- oh what were they spraying i remember being on a cuba vacation once and we were never up early as you never really get up early on vacation but we had to be up early to catch our bus and i looked outside and i heard this it sounded like a like a lawnmower and i look out and this guy is just fogging the hell out of everything and i'm like well, okay that makes sense we didn't see any bugs but secondly uh, what is he spraying and should we be breathing that in? Yeah, I I think it's just spray. I don't know if they would like. Yeah, 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 let's just go with that. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure. It's yeah, fine. well, we'll just. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think I don't think uh, they have the same um, the same levels of. Uh, of checklists in Cuba as we would have here in Canada, because you're spraying that here anywhere in Canada. There's someone from the municipality or bylaw coming up and saying, okay, what are you spraying? Do you have a certificate for that? Are you allowed? Okay. I don't think anyone's checking that on the, the two and a half star resort that I was staying at. Oh yeah. No, Ron Swanson is definitely doing as he pleases with his self-made permits in Cuba compared to the bundles and bundles of red tape. You have to swain through in Canada just to, in order to cut the grass at your local park. Yes, exactly. To cut a tree branch down, you need, 30 permits. What are the three things you would say that Peterborough is most known for? Uh, number one, Peterborough Pete's. Um, you go anywhere in the world and you see it from Peterborough. Like, oh yeah. The Pete's um, number two, Quaker Oats. They actually just sent me a gift package. It's their 120 year anniversary. So they oh, wow. put out some toques and stuff. So they still make actual Quaker Oats there. And in the summer when they're loading the, uh, the grain in, you can smell it. It smells amazing. It's the smell of Quaker Oats while you're walking around town. And number three, I would go with the lift locks, which at one time was the biggest hydraulic lift lock system in the world. Now it's dwarfed by ones around the world. But uh, yeah, I'd go Pete's, Quaker Oats, lift locks. So Quaker Oats, like the original factory manufacturer companies is from Peterborough. Yeah. Wow. Right on the water. It's still there. Still pumping it out. I think we still make granola bars there. 
If you look on uh, your packaging for your Quaker items, a lot of them have Peterborough on it. And would you say number four, Dan O'Toole? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've got uh, Steve Larmer, who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm about 30th on the list. We have John Grant Jr., who is essentially like the Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux of lacrosse. He just got in, inducted into the lacrosse Hall of Fame. So it's a treasure trove of athletes, that town, because, uh, yeah, when you grow up inhaling Quaker Oats, you become a superstar. Oh, that's 100% true. There's the people always say, you know, oh, those boys in Saskatchewan, they're always eating wheat and and they're farm boys and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, hey, like one thing I've learned about being in Ontario or at least in the GTA is the GTA is the mecca of the is the mecca of the universe or so they say here. But then when you go outside to the smaller towns like the Sudburys, the Peterboroughs, the North Bays, it's it could be the same as any old town that's outside of Winnipeg in Manitoba because yeah. you got that same rule of prairie mindset and people like farming and people, you know, either leave town to achieve bigger and better things or they stay at home because they just like the simplicity of, but they, of and they also become dual athletes. I mentioned lacrosse and a lot of the really good hockey players that came out of Peterborough did both. Uh, Wayne Gretzky always uh, says he wish he played more lacrosse uh, as a kid, Joe Neuendijk, huge lacrosse player. You go down the list from uh, players from that era they all played lacrosse. Steve Larmer, I mentioned, he played lacrosse. Really good player. Um, you get those hand-eye skills, and you aren't just playing hockey year-round, which a lot of kids do now. Yeah, that is true. And Wayne Gretzky is noted for having the famous quote talking about hanging up your skates in the summer and playing other sports and being involved. And yeah, I'm I'm surprised yes. that he wasn't involved in lacrosse, but I do know that he was someone that's multi, multi-faceted with his athletic endeavors, which hence is part of the reason why he is the great one and one of the best athletes, hockey players ever. It's yeah. there, there's a lot of gray in, in that list, but there's, there's no question that Gretzky's the best hockey player in my opinion. A thousand percent. And if you do the comparison, like if he played now, okay, but he's not playing now. No, he, he couldn't have been the, look like the players now because no one looked like that. And no one played like that. He played to the, the top of the competition and he adapted. If players started coming out, looking like uh, today's age players, he would have adapted as well. So you can't make that comparison. Okay. So this raises this question. Now that I want to ask you, who do you think has been more or was more impactful during their peak performance of their career on their sports Wayne Gretzky or Tiger Woods oh Tiger Woods changed the game he changed everything Tiger Woods made the purses go up all the players playing now can thank Tiger Woods for being a million dollar purse at every single tournament before Tiger if you want a a non-major you'd get two or $300,000. Now every single one is over a million dollars. So Tiger Woods, hands down, transformed a sport. Wayne Gretzky, he made more people focus on it, but salaries didn't really go up with Wayne Gretzky. The guys played during his era, they were making $50,000, $60,000. Tiger Woods changed everything from an economic standpoint and also from a viewership standpoint because when Tiger was in a tournament, the ratings would go up 10 times from if he wasn't playing. Would there be anyone that you would say 
could even come close to that same stratosphere of Tiger in terms of changing a game or not that you can think of in hockey or in any, 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 any any other sport. Well, I know it's very recent, but Conor McGregor has that same effect whenever he is in a UFC event, the pay-per-views quadruple when Conor McGregor's there, no one else has that drawing power. If you're looking at drawing power, yeah, it's, there's no one in baseball. Like Mike Trout is the greatest player maybe of all time. He barely has any followers on social media. Well, he's still got millions, but no one tunes in to see Mike Trout. Angels games don't have amazing ratings. Uh, Hockey, Connor McDavid, if he's playing in a game on TNT, do their ratings go up? I don't think they do. People still look at all their highlights. He scored another one of his goals last night. That is phenomenal. But is he changing viewership habits? No. And that's how I I rate these guys. Tiger Woods changed everything. There is only one Tiger Woods with regards to raising the popularity of his sport, raising the purses, and raising the excitement. That's a fair point. And I've seen that. Can can you think of anyone else that has that drawing power of a Tiger Woods? Um, the people I would think of that would have really strong drawing power would be like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo would be ginormous, but do they have as much impact on soccer as Tiger Woods does in golf? Probably not just because soccer has been popular for a long time. And there were players that preceded them and that will succeed them who have a similar drawing power. But for Tiger Woods, like, I mean, I, you're not very old. So like the Jack Nicholas or those people before him, like, they didn't really maybe draw in crowds like Tiger Woods did. Like, yeah, they're still legendary right. golfers, but will there be someone after Tiger Woods who will be like him? Also, probably not. I remember my mom telling me a story of seeing Tiger Woods as a little kid on that. It was a show in the eighties or something where I was like, isn't that neat or something like that. I don't know what the title was, but about seeing this little kid was amazing at golf. And sure enough, it was Tiger Woods. And now we see they literally he was named, on Johnny Carson. Yeah. They literally named yep. the video game after him. Like, yep. I know. Um, two other athletes that come to mind that, that kind of changed things. Michael Jordan, people would tune in for a Jordan game and Mike Tyson. That's when Mike Tyson, he is the only boxer who I would stop what I was doing and find whatever bar was showing it to go see Mike Tyson fight. And that's when those fights were like 45 seconds. So Mike Tyson had that drawing power as did Michael Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, I mean, even with watching Last Dance, like I was born during the midst of their dynasty. So I have no recollection or even vivid memories of the Bulls. But watching it back after the fact in the documentary, you can really see how much the Bulls transcended basketball and how popular they were and why Michael Jordan, like, yeah, LeBron James is also an amazing player and has tons of drawing power. But what, like, the Bulls have not really been that great of a franchise before Jordan or even really after him. They have no titles, no finals appearances that I'm aware of. But what Jordan did is just, it's ridiculous. You mentioned Tiger Woods' uh, video game. Well, Michael Jordan, his sneakers still, like I've got some Jordans. And that's what gives me street cred with my daughters. I wear those and their friends are like, your dad's got Jordans. Your dad's got Jordans. I'm like, that's right. I do. You got the original Jordans, which means that you preserve them for a long time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I got they're They're new. But I still want to get the ones that are in that documentary. Uh, the original ones he wore with the Bulls because they brought those out again. Those ones are sick. The ones that were supposed to be banned. 
Oh, really? Then you'll be walking around Peterborough like Marty McFly. You just need a red vest and you'll be flying. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I've I've had tons of fun chatting. It, this has just been fantastic. We are getting towards the end of our time on today's episode, but I do want to ask you a few more. We'll try to make it quick fire, but I don't know. Yeah, how, I got to uh, go make lunch. I got it. I'm making some grilled cheese. It's the first day of March break, and uh, I want to be lazy, but also... Grilled cheese is the laziest, but probably most delicious lazy food. That is that is up there with I would you could say KD is up there. Oh yeah, KD. We do KD, but uh, for us, more filling. Grilled cheese more filling. That is true. Grilled cheese and tomato soup, like oh yeah, you got to go tomato soup, and then a big glass of water or milk because if it's Campbell's tomato soup, it's like ninety percent sodium. Oh, a hundred percent. That is, it is, it is off the when, charts. When you pour that thing out and it's, it's an old can of it and it's still in the same shape as the can, that can't be good for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> so here we go. Let's okay. make this as quick fire as we possibly can. Rapid fire. I love rapid fire. Yeah. Better basketball movie, Space Jam or Coach Carter? Space Jam. Best actor in a sports movie. Um, in Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. What would you rather watch on a Saturday night? Or pardon me, I'll say Saturday or Sunday. Would you rather watch Hockey Night in Canada or Sunday Night Football? Hockey Night in Canada, easily. Look at look at behind me. If you had an opportunity, both events are, let's say in a world where both these events happen on the same day, what would you rather go see? Blue Jays in the World Series or... The Petersburg, uh, Petersburg Pete's in the Memorial Cup. Blue Jays World Series. Look at behind me. Who is the best Blue Jay of all time? Garth Orch. Look behind me. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. That we already see the answers to a little <laughs> Easter eggs right. around the background. <laughs> if you had an opportunity to take part in this contest, you have to hit, you have three attempts to hit a hole-in-one at any par three at Augusta. You make it, you get $10 million. You don't, you lose $100 million. Do you take it? Hell no. I've played golf all my life. I've The closest I've ever got was six inches to a hole-in-one. I would never take that bet. Okay, now we'll kick it up a notch. You do that in pairs. You... And any golfer you choose besides Tiger Woods get to participate. But on the other team is Jay and he gets to choose any professional golfer. Are we still losing all our money if we don't get it? Uh, No, you're not losing all your money. Oh, okay. I I will take me over Jay because I've played way more. uh, Sorry, someone's at my door here. I've played way more golf uh, than him in the last few years. And I know I'm a better golfer than him. My final question for you is, who was your favorite childhood sports hero? I would have to go with Garth Orge. Again. I just love the, can you uh, answer the door? Thank you. Um, I just love the fact that he was like a blue collar player. And I saw him as like, hey, he's like the, the most talented. He's just trying the hardest. And I'm like, I can be that guy. So he was someone who was actually, you could achieve what he had achieved in my mind. Well, there you have it. He is, he, he is in another life, 
from your town is the the classic blue collar bring the lunch bucket to work and yes and be the um maybe not to make another reference to a movie by matt stone and trey parker but the is the is like that character from basketball you know one day i want to grow up and be a sports hero just like (laughs) that's right a hundred percent that was me i want to be just like garth and he was actually my first ever dream guest uh, my list of dream guests is right here. We've got uh, Sidney Crosby, Harry Connick Jr., Garth Orge, um, Seth Myers, Bob Cole, Justin Bieber, Theo Vaughn, and David Spade. We can cross one name off the list, Garth Orge. That's perfect. Well, I look forward to seeing the rest of that list be crossed off slowly but surely as there are a lot of great guests on that list. So yes. make sure, folks, you go and check out Boomsies on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to each and every week. There are great episodes. Dan is a pleasure to listen to and to chat with as always. And Dan, I want to thank you for having me on today's episode. It's great to chop it up with you and get to know a little bit more about the ins and outs of the, you know, Peterborough's fine or one of Peterborough's finest. I should say there are a lot of great people that have come from Peterborough. Peter. Thanks, Batista. It's been a lot of fun, buddy. Now, now time to go make some grilled cheese sandwiches. It's time to go have the best lazy lunch. So thank you to the listener for enjoying today's episode with Boomsies host, Dan O'Toole. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.